Are you looking to take your knowledge of faith to the next level? Oh, yeah! You've come to the right place. Welcome to Post-Christian Pastors, broadcasting from the Steel City, Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. The podcast hosted by four pastors as they discuss relationships, faith, pop culture, current issues, and much, much more. Welcome, everybody, to Post-Christian Pastors, broadcasting live from the Steel City. Number 10. Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. It is show number 10. Show number 10. We We made it. We made it. We survived. We didn't kill each other. We still like each other. Let's say 10 in different languages. (laughs) Yes? I don't know 10 Uh, in another language. Yes? That was what I was going to go for. (laughs) German. Yins, I took. Yins, I took guys like that. Ten and that. <laughs> ten and at. Ten and at would be per- ten and at. would be appropriate. <laughs> well, welcome to Post Christian Pastors. We're excited. This is show number ten, episode number ten. We're excited about making that milestone. We hope you've gotten to listen to the other nine. I am Mark Helsel, along with my friends John Price, Mike Arnold, and Marv Nelson. All right, Marv. <laughs> glad Great that you're to have here. you. <laughs> nothing. Marv said nothing. <laughs> <laughs> He's here. You will hear him later on the podcast. Yes. We promise. We might have to dub him in, but he is by the magic of dubbing. We will the magic of editing. Marv will join Marv us. Marv will be here. <laughs> so we are glad that you've joined us for our our 10th show. And it's been quite a ride when we sat down and we started talking about doing the show. It's really neat to see it become a reality yeah. and to, to meet the people we've met, you know, through the through the the internet and the the guests that we've had on the miracle of modern technology. I know it's been a real, pretty cool. It's been a real thrill and uh, it's been a lot of fun. And before we get to the title for this episode, um, I, I, you know, when we say this post Christian pastors um, podcast, I I remember when we picked the name, I had some people ask me uh, when they saw it coming out, they were like, what Helso are you like post Christian now? Are you? My mom did not like it. <laughs> she's like, I don't know what that means, but I don't like it. She's like, she's like, Mikey. she's like, Mikey, 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 did you have you given up on Jesus, Mikey? You still are a Christian, right? Yes, that's exactly what she said. said yes. And actually, you know, it, actually, I, the guys around this table would say we're we're holding on to Jesus more yep. more than ever because right. um, when we say the word post Christian. Pastors, we're not saying that we're post-Christian. We're saying that we pastor and live, more importantly, we live our lives in a society in America that is post-Christian. Mm-hmm. And you might not believe that, but there are strong there is strong evidence that it is post-Christian. And you know, yeah. just to give you one, like we you know we're in the middle of this political season and you know, we now have both presumptive nominees for President, Democrat, Republic, Clinton, Trump, like how, how, let me, even the, even in this post-Christian society, isn't it weird that even someone who's seen as the even an evangelical, like the leader of Liberty University is endorsing Donald Trump? Like who would ever think something like that would happen or, or. Or let me give you an example. So this is, you know, I'm probably going to get emails on this. <laughs> but, you know, you had the whole gorilla in Cincinnati thing where yep. you got this kid falls into a, a gorilla cage or a gorilla area, and the gorilla drags him around for a while, and 
Then finally, the zoo shoots the gorilla. Yep. And kills the gorilla to protect the three-year-old boy. Yep. And then the outrage is about killing the gorilla. It seems like any position you take, there's criticism coming, and it's coming loud. Right. Um, and the, and the and the, the well, where that would be birthed out of is in a in a pre and a Christendom, which right. if you don't know that word, that might be unfamiliar to you. But Christendom is kind of the world that was created. Uh, around the Christian Judeo-Christian principles, ethic, yeah, yeah, yeah. ethic. So, in the Judeo-Christian ethic, people are created in the image of God, higher than animals, not so gorillas, right? right. There's there is a there is a difference, but a when you value rem- to them. Right. When animals you were, have value, yeah, absolutely, great value. Yeah, the creation great value. we're actually right. commanded to take care of them, right? Yeah, but in that instance where the choice is so clear, where you have an animal and a person created in the image of God with a soul, yep. and you choose to take the gorilla's life to save the human and the outrage is against is against killing the gorilla that says something about our culture it says something about where we're at most definitely as Mm -hmm. a culture right and i don't know if people listen to this even put those things together and said and said that that says something because the judeo the judeo-christian ethic is People are created in the image of God. That's a no. Deep, it's a that's in our constitution. That's in everything. It's very interesting, John. I did a lot of work in uh, like Eastern Bloc countries right after the fall of communism. Did some basketball tours there and some mission work over there. And what was really interesting is there was entire cultures where um, the image of God was removed from man, and man was literally taught to be just another animal. Mm-hmm. And so it created a certain level of just chaos and a lack of value of human life. And you yeah. saw it expressed in multiple ways. Uh, extreme brutality, um, organized crime, power was elevated over any kind of ethic for a human being. And so uh, you see that in some Eastern Bloc countries still to this day. That's part of the DNA because people believe that man is just a highly evolved animal, that there's nothing separate or separate from him or in, right. you know created in the image of God. And so we see like even a wrinkle of that with this gorilla thing that people feel like, well, the gorilla right. was more valuable than the boy. Why shoot the gorilla? If you watch right. the video... That, or equally valued at Yeah, least. if you watch yeah. the video, that boy did not have another few minutes. There's no right. way. Right. And... Right. Um, yeah, it's just a very interesting thing. Yeah, I mean, it's just, it's kind of, you know, crazy to think, you know, in a, in a Christendom world where the, where the ethic that you're talking about, it's not just even the image of God, but there's also an ethic in terms of, you know, you know, the Bible explains that God created man to, you know, to have dominion over his creation, right? Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, like man was created for a purpose and a reason, and it was to basically steward and have domain over all things, being the highest of, of all creation. Mm-hmm. And so that puts us into a, into a situation where, you know, where there is, you know, a situation where animals are causing harm towards people, right. people have to show dominion, right. right, and take care of other human beings, our sure. neighbor, right? Sure. And in this situation, as we've come into a more post-Christian society, that is no longer an ethic that we have as part of our Yeah, we would also agree, though, you know, vice versa, that if human beings are unjustly hurting animals, that violates a Christian ethic as well. Exactly, right. Right, or the environment. If if Christians are abusing the environment, I've always said that Christians should be some of the biggest environmentalists there are, 
But at the know? same time, we don't right. worship right. the creation. Right. We worship the creator. Right. Dominion doesn't mean domination. Right. right? Yeah, it's great. And it also doesn't mean bowing down right. to it either. And so it's finding that. That no, it's a middle ground, but it's but it's finding what God calls us to do. Well, and what so, a, what an interesting time to live, though. These are the conversations. These are the you know the threads of culture that we get to live in right now. There's all kinds of streams of thought going on. So it's it's a fascinating time. So that that leads to the question then: what what is good about being post Christian? Because I think a lot of people who are Christians are afraid in our culture of it becoming post-Christian, and they don't, they don't even realize it already is. Yeah. A lot of people, it's maybe in the South a little less, but if you go, you heard Brock Morgan talk about this, our last show, you go up North or, you, you know, it, it's, it's, it is. It's, it's, here. it's here. It's here to stay. Well, many, for people, right now. many people have said we've actually been living in a post-Christian society since like, you know, the seventies, basically. Yeah, right. Sure. Um, in educational circles and media yeah, in some ways. Right. But yeah. You can so see. here's the question for you guys. What is good about being in a pro post-Christian society as a Christian, as a pastor, what's good. And then maybe what's, what's bad. What, what's, what's bad about what, what's, what's tough being in a post-Christian society. Uh, well, this is John. I think one of the good things about being in a post-Christian society is that there is a lot less pretense. Yeah. Um, you know, I mean, there's no sense of, of kind of this, you know, cultural Christianity. That's, you know, mm. something that probably has not been as evident in, like, you know, certain parts of the country, like the Northeast or the Northwest. But even as you look across our country, the pretense has started to drop all over the place. Yeah. There's not that cultural Christianity. It's There's not this idea that, hey, because I live in the United States, I'm a Christian. Right. And so, you know, there's a lot of things that we, that you can kind of cut through, right? You don't have to yeah as a minister or even as a, you know, as any Christian, when you're talking with your neighbors, when you're, you know, what, there's not this pretense that you have to cut through that you just, you know, can, can basically de- directly address, you know, the things that they're, you know, asking, you know, things that they're yeah, wondering I think about. It's, I think it's good too, John. It's like a lot of the trappings that were tied on to the church and, and Christian society, some of the things that were pretty revolting. Right. Um, extreme cases are expressed, you know, through televangelism scandals and, and other things like that. But it, it kind of wove its way into our doctrine in many churches. Mm-hmm. Um, the power leverage of the church. Uh, I don't think the gospel is, is meant to be taught through servants, not through kind of top-down power, but bottom-up grassroots right. kind of movement and loving one another, mm-hmm. washing each other's feet through humble service. So that stuff has been rejected by the world. Uh, right. Some of that stuff has been you know, thrown up. And I think that's been good. I think it'll you know, push us to a, a deeper, more pure form of faith. Absolutely. I think we have a chance to, I think the church has a chance to get, get some things right that yeah. they screwed up, like the church needs refreshed, mm-hmm. and it has a chance to get some things right um, and just be a voice in our culture that is always pointing towards the light mm-hmm. in the midst of the darkness. Keep pointing, and you'll shine bright in the midst of darkness, maybe more than you did when it seemed like there was a lot of light, even if it was mm-hmm. fake light, it was it was still there. Because, um, you know, I know a lot of Christians who are always like, oh, if we could just go back to this time or this time. And I, I'd always answer them and go, when do you want to go back to? Right. Like, mm-hmm. wh- when do you want to go back? So, and then they'll pick a date. Like, you know, well, 1955, everything was great. And I even said on this podcast, you know, last week, I'd like to go back and be a senior in high school right. in the 50s because it's such a great time. Right. And there are some really good things back then. 
But if you go back, then then black people don't have the same rights as I do as a white person. Right. Yep. Okay, that's not good. Nope. Okay, that's that's not good. <laughs> I mean, so that's... You're smoking that, cigarettes because you think they're vitamins. Right. right. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean... That, like, me and I was like, when do you want to go back? So, well, well, America was Christian in its founding. Well, we had slavery. Yeah. Right. You know, women couldn't vote. I mean, like, right. there's, a, there's a lot there's of things. There's always issues and everything. There's always things. Oh, okay, well, then let's go back to the first church. Well, mm-hmm. th- pick up your Bible and read it. They right. weren't perfect. They had craziness there. craziness there. There's a guy sleeping with his mother-in-law, you know, in <laughs> Corinthians. You know, you got... So, like, if you think, like, you can go back to some magical time when everything was was great, um, so that, but we have a chance now to work at getting things right and and i think in some ways it's easier to talk to people who have had no experience with jesus oh yeah than it is to talk with people who've had bad experience with the church yeah we had it was we had this did this thing this year which we do uh every winter called winter vbs uh we do it for five weeks Uh, instead of having a whole children's ministry every week we do it for five weeks and you know have people have kids come in and we had this one kid who came with his friend and he came every week, every week, every week. And like he had never stepped foot in the church, had never heard yep. any That's stories. Fun. Like mm-hmm. he was like, I've never heard this before. Like it's he was just fun. He was yeah. awesome. And like we got to the end and he's like, What's next? Like, what are we doing next? <laughs> like he was so engaged yeah. by the by the gospel. Like yeah. he was just it blew his mind, and he's and he brought, started bringing his mom to church because he wanted to come and continue yeah. to hear these stories because they were amazing. Like yeah. he and and I mean, so people to hear the a gospel with fresh ears yeah, is amazing. I, mean, yeah. I remember doing a Bible study with uh, high school guys one time, and I had a bunch of guys from my church, but they had invited some guys, some high school guys from the neighborhood. And uh, I mean, this is in a quaint little town like Zelianople. I mean, like you'd think, oh, it's a nice Christian little town, yeah. you know. And so yeah. a couple of these guys came, and we were we were uh, talking about we were in the Book of Acts, and we were talking about some of the things the disciples did, things like that. And one of the one of the boys who was new raised his hand, and he goes, he said, he looked at me, and he goes, Mark, he goes, are these people still alive? Mm-hmm. It was the it was the purest, okay. awesome. Are these people still alive? And I'm like, no, they died like two thousand years ago. <laughs> yeah. But their story, and this is why, you know. But it was just such a pure question yeah. that you loved. And I'm sitting there, but now I'm energized yeah. in the Bible right. study, going, okay, Mark, you better talk about these people in the way that no, we, because this is fresh. These people, yeah. this is this is the first impression you're giving. To these people, we had someone in our small group just a year ago. This young lady's been baptized, and she serves in our church now. But she walked into our small group saying, "Last week was the first time I was ever in church." And she opened up the Bible and goes and just said, "This is the first time I've ever opened the Bible." Wow! And um, so you get to, to work with that, which is great. But I also think what's good about this kind of shifting to this post-Christian culture is it focuses more on people and less on programs. Mm-hmm. Where in a Christian society, we were really just gathering people to large gatherings. Uh, the gospel's really been meant to be shared interpersonally. This is a relational thing. Right. Making a disciple, Jesus was highly, highly relational. He had 12 people and he traveled with them, lived with them, um, smelled them, saw them every day. Uh, it was a relational thing. And in a post-Christian society, we can't just like roll out a sign and say, we've got the coolest sh- show on the road. Come on, check it out. Because you know right. the majority of people in our culture will not go in that building right. and to hear about Jesus. So it forces us to, to be relational. 
relational, to listen, right. to have conversations, to care, uh, which is a much better platform for just getting to know someone, loving someone, building a relationship with, with them, being a neighbor, as we're going to talk about later, um, but just uh, even just sharing the, the message of Jesus. Yeah, I mean, I'm preaching through the book of Acts right now. Yeah. One of the things that's inter- interesting that I've been reminded of is that, you know, in Acts, you know, where large numbers of people come to faith in Christ is in the context of an already kind of religious understanding of yeah. of what's happening mm-hmm. in in God's story, right? Mm-hmm. Once you leave Jerusalem, you don't start you don't see these you know these you know big events happening where people just everybody comes to faith. It's it's a lot of personal there's still public yeah. speaking, there's still those right. opportunities, but it's a lot of Pub, personal no real estate owned. They didn't own real estate. <laughs> there's, right? Paul, there's there's Paul talking to uh, Lydia right. along the river. Along the river, right? Along the river. Right. Just yeah. she had an she had some kind of general vague understanding of God, right? And yeah. she she was just along the river, and he right. began to tell her about Jesus, and and look what happened with Lydia's life. I mean, she a lot right. of people believe that the church was planted in her house there, right. and and so I mean, I mean, amazing right. things happen. And now, you look at Paul. I mean, he spent you know long periods of time, usually a year or more in a place working and yep. and talking to people and mm-hmm. sharing the gospel. Now, now we don't, I, I think when people listen to this podcast, we, we don't want you to also to get the, the impression that uh, we think that uh, all of Christianity that's gone before us was bad. That's no, not, in fact, that's not. not, you know, we're here because those people, you know, a lot of them were very faithful to the gospel and absolutely. there is a lot of great things that came with Christendom. Oh, yeah. Um, so Christendom brought amazing things to the world, like Dude. the value of people. Right. I mean, just the simple value of people. I often remind my congregation that before Jesus, the compassion was not a virtue. Like right. compassion was not a virtue. And they go, right. what? Yeah. I'm like, yeah. no, in that yeah. culture, in that Roman culture, and, and in the world before that, you know, the times before that, compassion was not a virtue. It was seen like, why would I give something to other people? It was and a it, weakness. Yeah, to, yeah, compassion yeah. was a weakness. And, and value so, like, of women, value of children. Yeah, yeah value of women, which, you know, sadly, you know, the church hasn't always done that, but Jesus did it. Yep. Value of children beyond just as property. Right. Yep. Um, the value of education, yep. as we were talking about schools, right. hospitals, right. orphanages. Art. Art, yeah, yeah, like all these things yeah. developed. Like, because because you were creator God, you wanted to do artwork that glorified God, and I mean, there was just there's so we many... take so much for granted. Yes, it came out of Christendom, right? Yes. It came out of the you know the people of God realizing that God had called them to create and to produce and to care for people and to do all these things. And yeah. we lament the loss of that. There, right. There is some lament that needs to be there. There has yep. to be some sure. mourning of losing some very precious things. And I, I, I mean, I'm not a big political guy, but there are things that our culture is in, our country is in desperate trouble because we have walked away, not from the politics, but, you know, but we've walked away from the creator. We've walked away from Jesus. And because of that, the further we get away from Christ... Not Christendom, uh, in a sense. We we're fallen, broken people, and we're in need of a savior. Mm-hmm. And uh, so, there's good things that came for sure with Christendom. Most definitely, most definitely, and just so definitely the Judeo-Christian ethic. We were made to live a certain way, and uh, when we wouldn't we have our constitution when we don't live that way. There is a yeah, as a community or as individuals, um, it gets scary, and we see. 
examples of that all around the world. And so, but there are still opportunities, opportunities there. And then we might be a little bit less comfortable and there might be some, some things that used to work that don't work now. We find new ways to, to interact with people, but, um, there'll be opportunities as well. And we always need to remind ourselves that those early Christians, that early church, they were not they they were not living in a Christian in Christendom. Right. They were they were in a hostile enemy territory and they survived and not only that, they thrived. Mm-hmm. And we always have to keep that in mind. A pre Christian society. Right. Yeah, pre Christian yeah. looks a lot like post Christian. Mm-hmm. A little and, worse, uh, maybe. Yeah. A little and worse. Or, kind of getting crucified. Right. Well, that's true. <laughs> yeah. And there are people in our world getting crucified now. Right. I mean there are people losing their heads for yep. Jesus and and so I, I think we need to get that perspective is that, is that um, we have great opportunities just like they did. We can lament and we could mourn and wail and just and stand around the, the grave of Christendom and say our lives are over. Or as Christians, we can go, no, we serve a resurrected right. Savior, not a dead institution. Yep, right. And uh, and so let's follow him. Well, it's an, there's an you know, example of that in the Old Testament, right? The people of God who were carried into exile, they were moaning and wailing in Babylon, standing around, you know, wailing, God, you know, why, why have you done right. this? Why? Why? Why are you know we in this situation? And you know God's response was, "Bless the place I've I've placed you. Yeah. You know, build houses, plant gardens, live, yeah. live, you seek know, the prosperity of the, of the city. city." Right. And so you know he's calling he's calling us as his people to continue to do the same thing today. Yeah. We should always seek the prosperity of those around us and our city. And our city happens to be Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, and it's a great city. It Yours? is the it is the eternal city. <laughs> Just kidding. Well, (laughs) this is show number 10, and uh, we have a great guest for show number 10. Really excited about our guest today, Dave Runyon. And uh, our title, our title here in the Steel City is for this episode is Be My Neighbor. And uh, you be my neighbor. neighbor. You might even hear a little bit of that on this (laughs) podcast. But um, what a a better place to to do a show called Be My Neighbor than the home of Fred Rogers and Mr. Rogers Rogers Neighborhood. But we're going to talk about this whole thing about how do we do the second commandment? How do we be good neighbors? How do we love our neighbors? And we got an expert at that, Dave Runyon, who runs an organization that does that, wrote a great book called The Art of Neighboring. Yep. He's going to be here in a moment, guys. So... I'm excited about show number 10. It's been fun to do this journey with you this far. And uh, you too, Marv. Okay. All right. That's great. <laughs> All right. Here we go. And uh, we will be back in a moment with Dave Runyon here on Post-Christian Pastors. Stick around.
It's a beautiful day in this neighborhood, a beautiful day for a neighbor. Would you be mine? Could you be mine? It's a neighborly day in this beauty wood, a neighborly day for a beauty. Would you be mine? Could you be mine? I have always wanted to have a neighbor just like you. I've always wanted to live in a neighborhood with you. So let's make the most of this beautiful day. Since we're together, we might as well say, "Would you be mine? Could you be mine? Won't you be my neighbor? Won't you please? Won't you please? Please, won't you be my neighbor?" Back at it here on Post Christian Pastors, and guys, we have a great guest with us today. Uh, his yep. name is Dave Runyon, and uh, Dave's coming at us from Denver, Colorado. Denver, Mile Denver, high city. the mile, very yes. high city. The last couple of years, <laughs> anyway, legal now to get mile legally high to get a mile high. Oh wow! Uh, we should talk to Dave about that. <laughs> yes, we need to put it on the agenda. We, it's on the agenda. So. So Dave is the uh, co-founder and director of City Unite, which helps government, 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 business, and faith leaders unite around common causes. He served as a pastor for nine years at Foothills Community Church and the Next Level Church. Yep. Uh, he's launched this neighboring movement in Denver, and um, we'll talk about that here in a moment. He's a speaker, and he's a writer. He's the author of the book, The Art of neighboring. It's beautiful. So welcome from Denver, Dave Runyon. How you doing? Great to be here, guys. Nice. How is Denver today? 82, nice and sunny, and just a good old day here in the Rocky Mountains. Nice. Nice. Now home of the world champion Denver Broncos. Yes. So Who's your quarterback that? now? Oh, we won the Super Bowl this year. That's right. <laughs> yeah. that was, that was, I almost forgot about that. Yeah, and you beat you beat our team to get there. Um, <laughs> yes. So How? Oh, I've, just been, I've been concerned about this. I've been thinking about this for a long time. How is Antonio Brown doing? I'm really been I've been praying about he's praying been dancing for him. around. I'm really on TV hoping he gets back to full strength. Yeah, he's, he's been calling himself. By different names, you're not quite sure who he is, but but no, he's doing. Sometimes fine. he just calls himself. Going, the boom yeah, man. who was that? It's like Ocho Cinco when he started talking about himself in third person. He's yeah. like the Ocho. The, the Ocho. Ocho feels good today. Yeah, he he, he tried around. to legally get his name changed, or actually, he did get his right. name legally yeah, changed. He just walks Ocho around Cinco. saying uh, the A B feels good today. That I don't usually know. happens right before you start stinking. Yes. What all? Well, I know that I know the Broncos did beat the Steelers. In the in the playoffs, and mm. but I you should you should find a lot of comfort in this. Antonio Brown made it farther than Vaughn Miller in Dancing with the yes. Stars. So does that help you? Does that, that helps. like that's that helps. Helps. Also helps helps that the uh, Penguins are in the Stanley Cup final, and I don't know where the Avalanche are. are they right. still in the under, the, under the Avalanche. Nobody cares they, about yeah. hockey. You can't even find like what you don't even know how to like watch the games on TV. They're on some like <laughs> random <laughs> PBS. <laughs> so are ours. Though. It's on PBS. Hockey on PBS would be very interesting. That would be. We're gonna take a break now to raise money. Before we move on to the no, we're not. I, I do want to tell you, yeah. we are so grateful on so many levels to Steelers, but I want to tell you about the greatest sporting event I've ever watched in my entire life that I've been in, in person at my entire life. Yes. 2011, okay. division round, uh, first round of the playoffs. And I remember Pittsburgh this. Steelers come into Denver as a heavy, heavy favorite. <laughs> Tebow had led us to a glorious 8-8 eight and eight year, and I... 
I want to tell you, I mean, he, it, he does the Tebow thing where he just sucks for like three and a half quarters <laughs> and, yeah. and comes back. Yeah. And of course, I don't know if you remember this, but we were oh. in the overtime. <laughs> Are you being sarcastic? It's, a, it's an overtime game. Are you sure he wrote uh, a book on neighboring? Eight yard pass to Demarius Thomas, and he goes, uh, eight, yeah. or, you know, yeah. seventy-eight yards for a touchdown. Whatever. And we all so, recognize that as an act of God. Right. <laughs> he was a good godly sure. man. Because the very next game, he pulled his an act of God. You guys are doing the post-Christian thing. Yeah. There can't be any more any person who's more anti-post-Christian than Tebow. This guy is like <laughs> the poster child. <laughs> this guy's like the family Christian bookstore poster child. And so, but I want to tell you something. The family I, bookstore. I sat poster. there. It was like. I'm sitting there in the stand, and when it all happened, it felt like a scene out of Gladiator. Like the entire, first of all, it feels like they're just going to burn down the stadium. Everybody's losing their mind. I'm dogpiling with random strangers. <laughs> People are like dry humping each other in the stand. And then, talk about neighbor. And then it talk this about- roar. It just it starts for like 30 minutes. It's just. It's Tebow. It's just like when Maximus out of the Gladiator. So oh, wow. I will yeah. I will never forget that. And by the way, I don't know if you know this. That's the last victory Tebow yes. has ever. That's only yes. that's the second to last game he ever started right. in the NFL. What right. And the last game that he's ever had. He is the anointed one. He is yeah. the anointed one. Oh, and here we are. That was so... Talking to my friends Dave, out in Pittsburgh. Re- this is a dream come true. Dave, yeah. do you realize how painful that last minute was? Oh. Of you just <laughs> telling that story. I know. And he's like, he re- has written a book on how to be a good neighbor. Yeah, That's thanks really for coming, not neighbor. Very... <laughs> oh, you guys aren't my neighbors. You guys live in Pittsburgh. Oh. They're my enemies. You understand. You understand. You understand. Fred Rogers no, from yes. Pittsburgh. You're talking. Everyone is. You're talking to the home of Fred Rogers. Well, won't, won't you be, you be my, my neighbor? neighbor? That's right. In fact, the title of this podcast today is Be My Neighbor. I so, love it. So, yeah, we, we come from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, where you have to talk about being a good neighbor because we, we, we have the ultimate other. neighbor, Fred Rogers. That's so, right. so really quick, I want to ask you, um, what's the main premise behind The Art of Neighboring? So you wrote this book, The Art of Neighboring, and you've kind of dedicated your whole life in a lot of ways to this concept. So give us the main premise of the book and kind of how you came to this conclusion and kind of where you're at with that. Sure. The, the thumbnail sketch would be this. I was a pastor here in Denver. A number of friends and I decided to, to start praying and dreaming about what it would look like to work together in our community. And we didn't know what that would be like. So these are other lead pastors and a couple priests from around our area start dreaming about this idea and asking this question, what could we do together that we couldn't do alone? So how would we actually bring different congregations together to actually act like they're on the same team in, <laughs> mm-hmm. in one part of the Denver metro area. And we didn't know what the smartest thing to do was. So we knew we wanted to do local mission, go after local issues in our own backyard. So we started to meet with government leaders. We started to meet with like the city manager and the police chief. And about six and a half years ago, we're in a room with our mayor and there's 22 lead pastors in the room. And we just ask them, we say, hey, if you could wave a magic wand and change something about our city, what would you change? He's got all these different things that were on his heart, you know, elderly shut-ins, at-risk kids, um, single moms, living below the poverty line. But he gets done with this whole list, and he says, you know, if you guys want to have the biggest impact on our city, you'd start a neighboring movement. And, hmm. and he's, it was kind of like in passing. He just kind of starts to talk about something. We're like, whoa, 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 what? He goes, yeah, you know, we're, we're learning that the closer people are in relationship based on proximity, the less weight there is on all the systems that we're trying to create right. for people in need. And it was just this incredibly powerful moment of the, the God, God used our mayor to tell us, a bunch of pastors, that what we, the smartest thing we could do for our city 
is to do what Jesus said matters most. Wow. <laughs> love and your neighbor. It's a pretty painful moment. Yeah. I'm not gonna lie. <laughs> yeah. So, so it, and it did. It changed the trajectory of my life. I was, you know, I was involved in church doing the typical, you know, ministry sub, and I was busy doing a lot of good things. And I would just get home and I was kind of feeling like I had to play catch up with my wife and my kids because of all this stuff that I was involved with. And I was a pretty crappy neighbor. And so that moment just gave me a reason and an excuse and a conviction to begin to say no to more things and to spend more time in my neighborhood and to disengage the people that live right around me. It's good to have Dave. This is Mike. A question for you here is, you know, you started off in ministry, did that for a while before you wussed out and left the ministry (laughs) as a pastor. But how is your view of it? I mean, your theology is so poor here. (laughs) Just for the listeners, I want everyone out there to know, you're actually doing real ministry, whatever you're doing. Don't listen to whatever Mike just said. (laughs) So if if you would like to say, I used to be, get paid, to like do church every Sunday, <laughs> then yes, I did used to do that. And then now I'm doing different, th- I get paid differently than I, than <laughs> that's I used to great. That's great. That's great. Well, let me ask you this question. How has your view of evangelism changed since starting the, mm. the art of neighboring in this movement? Yeah. You know, neighboring, I've come to learn, I think neighboring is pre, it's, it's pre-evangelism. It's just mm. simply yeah. building re- organic relationships, living at depth with other people. And mm. so, Evangelism is such a weird word. I try to avoid it whenever right. possible. And I just, I even like right now, I'm thinking about what if my, one of my neighbors heard me using that word? Yep. Mm-hmm. Like, the, you know, they'd want to like just punch me in the gut and like say, what are you doing? Like that's, that feels so weird. Yep. And so I try, to, I try to think about evangelism and, you know, helping as simply this. What does it look like when we as believers begin to live at depth? with the people around us. And right. when I live at depth with somebody or when I just even go one step deeper than I normally am, I just begin to share the things that I love and I begin to share my story with them and I begin to listen to their story and, and hear about the things that they love. And so that includes the fact that I love golf and that I love the Broncos and it includes the fact that like I share the things that have shaped me and I also share the things that I believe deeply in. And so I guess evangelism for me has become a lot more relational and conversational than it has anything else. Like uh, I grew up, my parents were on staff with Crusade. I love Crusade, but that whole like weird little idea of like handing people pamphlets with the four spiritual laws, maybe that's working somewhere. That's not working. <laughs> that's not working no, where I am. It's really not. So it's not working just, in Denver. It's not, it's working, not working in Pittsburgh either. It's not either. working nope. in Pittsburgh either. Nope. You know, maybe right. maybe somewhere. Um, do you, does anybody from the South listen to the show to this podcast? Uh, no. yeah, sure. We're yeah, in every yeah. state, but like six. We were oh, wow. in a couple okay, of countries, Okay, well, let's not make too. fun of the South then. So, <laughs> we, just, well, we lost all the people in Pittsburgh. That's, yeah. We lost all the people. What city did we I'm get burning, a couple, of, couple episodes ago? Oh, Chattanooga. We have nobody listening in Chattanooga anymore because a couple right. a couple episodes ago, our guest like, totally destroyed Chattanooga. Okay, uh, yeah. Dave Runyon, you are burning down the country. <laughs> well, after I'm done, the only listeners are going to be like, Cleveland, you know, Ohio, baby. Weed smokers, <laughs> weed smokers from Denver. Uh, hey, that's so, a demographic no, that needs let me, reached. Let me, give, let, let me give you one quick example. You know, yeah. I, I was with one of my neighbors a couple months ago, and we were just talking about something that happened with one of his kids. And I just said, hey, what are you learning about parenting? And we just talked like 20 minutes. And he just started to share with me. And we just had this amazing conversation, and we were just kind of sharing back and forth. And I didn't think a ton of it. But then he turned to walk away, and he stopped, and he like turned back around, and he goes, Hey, Dave, just so you know, I don't, I don't talk like this with anybody else. Yeah. Hmm. And it just like, 
it just was this reminder to me that so many people, all they have is their relationships at work that tend to be kind of surfacey and the dysfunctional stuff that we all have at home, you know, with our extended families. And, and so, so few of us, it's easy doing what we do to think, oh, yeah, everybody's kind of has like a small group or they have people that they're actually talking at depth with. And I don't think that's the case at all. One of the things that I've learned mm. through engaging in my neighborhood more is that most people are dying for relationship. They're dying for something that's a little bit or a lot deeper than what they have. And so when I think about evangelism, I just think about it's, it's just leaning into that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's really good. I mean, that's something working with college students. It, it's very similar to that. And it's just life on life, building relationships and having those conversations. You know, so, so experiencing that type of, of lifestyle, it's a post-Christian society, really. And that's why we do this podcast. So, you know, my question for you, and this is Marv, by the way, Dave, uh, what do you think is good about living in a post-Christian society? And what do you think is not good about living in a post-Christian society? Yeah, well, one of the things I think is great is I think it's caused a lot of us who are in this world to lean into collaboration hmm. and to a lot more than we used to. I think there used to be kind of some weird competitive stuff. And so like in my city, we're desperate. We know that we're losing. And so there's right. not, nobody's sitting around trying to mark out, you know, there's plenty of people out there that have zero relationship with God for us all to, to, to be engaging. And so it's created more of an environment of collaboration for, instead of one of competition. And so I think that's a really, really good thing. The other thing that's great is I think that the more, the, the more and more we become a minority, the yeah. better off that we are. I mean, I think historically yeah. the church has been at its best when it's been a, a smaller piece of the pie and honestly a one that's persecuted. And I don't think, I don't actually think that we're persecuted right now. Like I listen to like some of like the crazy <laughs> stuff that's out there. People like feeling like, people that say like the evangelical church is persecuted have got to be losing their minds. I mean that, like, right. like, like all, no these, all of us, this church that's like led by a bunch of like middle-aged white men, yeah, we're really getting we're really getting persecuted out here. I, I can't believe we've even made it as far as we have. The media made fun of us this week, so we're really persecuted. I think that's the people right. in Iraq would disagree. They would say you're not being persecuted. Yeah, you don't know what that is <laughs> exactly. So the I think believers. though, but as we become a smaller piece of the pie, and as you know, I think as we begin, we're, it's going to force us to become creative. And it's going to lean us away from, I think in the past we've been doing this weird thing where we, there, something happens in culture, and yeah. so then Christians go and kind of create their crappy version of the good thing that happened in culture. Like so, t-shirts. Whether that's Christian music or Christian writing, I can say God, I'm a Christian, God author, I, a Christian author. God uh, tube. God tube. Oh, yeah, God terrible. tube. There we go. Oh, that's man. Perfect. Christian yoga. <laughs> Christian <laughs> yoga. <Yeah>. Christian <laughs> Zumba. So, There's a Christian I think Zumba. We're, we're all praying. We're Dave all praying Runyon. Dave like, Runyon does Christian Zumba. <laughs> I would like to see that. <laughs> I have to do. I have to say something back after That's that. Right, after that two-minute-long yeah, tired Tim Tebow yes, tirade, yes. weed smoking Zuba <laughs> ex pastor. Go ahead. Uh, <laughs> so anyway, I I hope that that's so anyway. That's, that's clearly not working. I hope that continues to kind of die out. I think what's going to come out of the soil of that is, is I think some fresh creative ways to engage culture and to engage people. And it is simply, like, I think it would be a good idea if Christians could just actually go out, build relationships, and then not be weird. Like, if we could just do that, I think it would, it would be really helpful for the cause. Uh, Dave, this is uh, John Price. Um, where do you feel the church needs to change the most? Kind mm. of as you're thinking about this, this idea of 
you know, living in a post-Christian society, the good and the bad, you know, where does the, you feel the church needs to change the most? I, if we can just get some better laser shows, I think we'll, <laughs> I think, I think everything's going to click into place. I'm working on it. I'm working if we on just, it. I just get a, like a More little bit smoke. better band and a little bit more inspirational speaking. And then I think it works for sure. Tighter culture. pants. I need tighter pants too. <laughs> oh, oh, man. Oh, man. Oh, man. Uh, I think, so I think that whole thing is working in some places. And I think right. some people are walking into church and going, oh my goodness, I never thought, I thought church had to be boring and this is incredible. And I think that's, that's great. That plays a role in the kingdom. But I think where church needs to change is to stop trying to compete with the concert and with Tony Robbins. And to actually go back and say, like, this is not about coming in every, every Sunday and getting, like, an hour that inspires me and makes me feel great. This is about coming in and trying to do life with people and to give my life away. Mm. And I think if we can get, it, you know, the, the further and further we can dig into that and to call people to that, I think the better off we're going to be in the long run. Absolutely. Good stuff. Well, in your book uh, and and with um, your ministry that you do called uh, City Unite, uh, you're trying to build synergy between government, business, uh, business people, churches, nonprofits. Kind of where do you see there being synergy in your community in Denver? Where do you see those those things coming together? And can you give us some tangible examples of how you've seen that come together and how you've seen that be effective in your city um, to reach your city or to do the common good for the city. Well, where do you see that coming together? Yeah. Well, I think when you start bringing churches together and you start bringing them around common causes, you're awakening what I think is the sleeping giant of volunteerism in most cities. Hmm. Hopefully churches are talking about the fact that we're, that God has a heart for the people on the margins and that we're actually called to use our gifts for those people and to be a part of the redemption and renewal of what's happening in our cities. Right. And so assuming that that's true, there is incredible power in bringing congregations together and focusing them on specific things. And so that's how I got started in doing this is I just had a heart for John 17 and for Jesus's prayer for unity. And we started to, you know, think and pray about putting that into play. What government leaders has, have is they actually know your city. They actually know what they know what's happening. They know who's calling all the time saying, do you have a program for this? Do you have a program for that? Do you have a program? They know where things are stuck, especially with people on the margins. And we as pastors, I think we should be, we should be more knowledgeable about that than we probably are. But I think it's really good things happen when faith leaders go and put themselves in a position of being a servant to those government leaders. And so I think that's, I think that's really helpful. Is yeah. there like a is there a cat? Like a <laughs> that was a door. Marv just left. The door. Marv just left the building. That was Marv trying to <laughs> leave quietly. discreetly and quiet. Guys, that was a re- <laughs> that was really that was my most powerful thing I wanted to share this whole time. And, yeah, so. and he killed a cat on the way out. <laughs> well, I, Dave, I'm gonna think... go get he's gonna go get his Billy Idol costume. All right, oh. do you want me to re-rack that? Yeah, 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 yeah. please. And when you say, hey, can you, can you teach us how to see the city through your eyes? Really good things happen. And they're actually teaching you, hey, here's where the broken areas are in our city. And so by bringing those two things together, we found a lot of synergy. And then the business leaders are really helpful because uh, church and government, and I can say this because I work in, a, in both of those, 
church and government tend to work at the speed of church and government, which isn't, <laughs> which isn't exactly the fastest. And so we just have found that by bringing in some like business leaders in the room, they've really helped us lead well, mm, yeah. and they've helped increase the pace of what we've done. Yeah, that's great. David? So if you ask for one good example, I'll give you one quick one. <laughs> yeah. our, go- our governor, uh, Governor Hickenlooper, just <clears throat> made an observation about the fact that Eight years ago, there was about a thousand homeless families, not chronic homeless, homeless families wow. in Denver and about a thousand congregations. And he started an initiative, it was him just speaking and kind of wondering out loud, I wonder if we could get a small group of people, four to five, six people from each one of those churches to just mentor a family and to walk with them for a year as we get them into sustainable housing. And yeah. so over the course of the last eight years, I think it's now it's about 1,300 homeless families have been mentored by small groups from churches here in our city. Wow. Yeah, it's been an incredible thing to watch happen. It's been a great model that a lot of other people in a lot of other cities have come and used. And so, I, I, I mean, Denver's a place where a lot of unlikely partnerships are happening. The stuff that we did around neighboring, there's a lot of school partnerships, things around the homeless family. So we, I feel really lucky to live where I live and to be able to be around a lot of the leaders that I'm around. So Dave, you're, you're really saying that the synergy between all of these different organizations came around the the least of these, right? It, it came oh, yeah. around, and that's exactly what Jesus, you know, told us yep. to do. Like you said, not brain surgery, not this is, but this is just simply doing what Jesus told us to do as believers. And even people that aren't necessarily believers also jump on board and come around and, and join with us. Yeah, it's crazy. You actually do the things that Jesus said to do, and then good things happen. It's really weird. It's crazy, isn't it? Wow. Nuts. Crazy. That guy come up with some crazy stuff. He sure did. He sure did. I can't believe it works. (laughs) Dave, I got a question. Back to the art of neighboring. Can you tell us a little bit about your steps on getting depth with someone? Um, Maybe your steps, you call it maybe pre-evangelism, but how do you you build a relationship with a neighbor uh, coming out of your book? Yeah, I think the first thing that's really helpful is to actually learn and remember their name. <laughs> so that's like a real Good that's start. actually so that whole book our whole book is you, not it's not bro. Hey no. bro, you what's up, you <laughs> guy? Bro. Yeah, hey, Bud. you pastors are you're the best at that. Oh, you're like yeah. talking around. Yeah, but sometimes like we have a people. lot of people to remember. <laughs> <laughs> so, so yeah, I mean, our the whole book is really just a really good refrigerator magnet. We just came up with this idea that, like, if Christians re- learned, retained, and used the names of the people that lived around them, that that would set in motion a, a framework for organic relationship. Mm-hmm. And so we have this little, like, block map, a little tic-tac-toe board, and we just ask people, hey, do you, can you just write down your neighbor's names? Yeah. And everybody always kind of sheepishly is like, oh, yeah, I've met them all. And this, by the way, when this happened to me, that's I could fill in of my eight literal neighbors. I could fill in both adults' names in two of those houses. <laughs> so right. it was a it was a convicting moment. Mm-hmm. If you actually sit down and say, "I'm you know I'm going to write it out," and so we made this little refrigerator magnet. I think we've given out two hundred and twenty thousand of these refrigerator magnets now. People have made a commitment to learn and retain and use their neighbors' names, and it's just a tool. But it's like a little mini parish that we give to people, and we just say, listen, a lot of these people aren't going to want to be your friends, but would you just remember their names, use their names, and just see what doors God opens up, and, and also try not to be weird. And so we, <laughs> that's, that's like all we ask people to do, and that try little simple thing, weird. so taking the second half of the Great Commandment, the idea of loving your neighbor literally and seriously, that little thought, 
has blossomed into this is spread to places that we never dreamed that it would spread. Right. And Dave, I think that's so important. Like my, my wife and I experienced this. We used to live on the other side of Pittsburgh and our, our life was so connected to church that we, we really didn't know our neighbors. I mean, we had, like you said before you, that whole, you're immersed into this, you know, subculture. You're, you're not really engaged. You know, we had little, little kids. So we weren't really, you know, in in the community that much and everything because of their stage in life. We moved to this side of the city, and my wife and I have not just found that we've had the opportunity to minister to others, but we found our lives to be so much fuller, right? Because, you know, our our friendships aren't just with the people that church are people. our church people, yeah. right? Yeah. We know people from different yep. uh, segments of life. We know people of different you know, religious backgrounds, we, yep. you know, we have, and we have these, you know, like you said, that you know, deep conversations like you had with your neighbor. I mean, we've found that we have those more and more and more often. Yep. The neighboring, it's the antidote to living in the Christian bubble. Right. And so if you base relationships on proximity, you're guaranteeing yourself that you're not going to be hanging out with people that think about the world exactly like you do. Right. And so that's what happened in, in my community is we just started giving people a reason uh, and we actually just started encouraging them, saying, like, what you do in your front yard, that's real ministry. That's, yeah. that's just, that counts. Just like serving on the elder board or children's ministry or passing out bulletins or, you know, going downtown to the rescue mission. Like, what you do in your front yard actually counts. And that really simple thought ended up, you know, just kind of taking on a, a life of its own. And so I'm drinking, I'm drinking all the Kool-Aid. Um, <laughs> it's one of those things, like, it's really messy. My wife and I, we just had to start joining into what God was already up to. There was already some great people that were beginning to hang out and that were starting that spent a lot of time together. And so really it was up to me to slow down and to join into what was already happening. I didn't have to go create some whole new thing or to like be, become like Mr. Block Captain who throws all the block parties. <laughs> my, neighbors were do- my neighbors were already doing all this cool stuff together. That's John, John does They're that. They're already having great Fourth of July parties. We were already, you know, playing like stupid games, you know, out in the, in the backyard and making up weird competitions. They were already going hunting and hanging out together. All I had to do was, like, was slow down enough to become part of it. Um, David, so what would you... You know, explain to our listeners because I, I think you know you are pursuing the common good of the city, mm-hmm. right? And what you do, and neighborhoods too, and neighborhoods. That's a lot true. of people don't really understand what that is, or they might be listening to this podcast. Well, what's the common good? Or that sounds liberal, or um, you know, <laughs> that doesn't or, sound Christian. It enough. doesn't sound Christian. I I need to win my neighbors to Jesus. That's the right. that's the greater good or that is the only good. So talk talk about a little bit about that like mm-hmm. the um the tension of that and maybe what does it look like to to pursue the common good of the city and that that be enough. Yeah. Well, I think the common good that's like how that's like a post-Christian way of saying, we're going to make, what does it work to make the kingdom tangible in my city? Right. Mm-hmm. What does it look to participate in the renewal, the redemption, you know, of my things, city? Right. I think that's what the common good means. Yes. And so when I, when I think through that filter, when you talk about people that might be saying, hey, listen, the end game is to win people to Jesus. I, well, number one, I don't think anybody that listens to this is actually thinking that. Um, number two. <laughs> They I, left. You scared, you scared all the, off those people. A long <laughs> this time is ago. episode ten. That's they're true. long gone. Why <laughs> they? are totally gone. But if if for some reason somebody out there is has had that thought or has had friends had that thought, how I would walk through that with others is to say this: is, 
is that I think there's a big difference between having ultimate motives and ulterior motives. Mm. My ultimate motive, of course, and my, my friend Eric Swanson writes about this in a book called The Transform the City. Mike Arnold knows him well, too. But mm. my ultimate motive, of course, I want, I want everybody to have like an encounter with Jesus and right. to orient their lives around the way he talks about living. I, yeah. that's, that's my ultimate goal. Yep. But what gets weird is when we start to have ulterior motives and right. when we go out and think, you know what, I'm going to go do this for somebody so that then maybe they'll ask this question. Then I'll be able to like, I learned that answer to this question. And so much of our time we spent, we, did, we spent so much time and energy trying to figure out answers to questions that nobody's asking mm-hmm. and then hoping that we can like set them up to ask them or hopefully we'll do nice, you know, we'll do something nice. So it just gets weird when you start doing the bait and switch stuff right. and the P- our friends that don't know God, they, they sense it. I mean, the reality is this, in our cult, like right now in our culture, a lot of times when a Christian does something nice to a non-Christian, the non-Christian starts bracing themselves and going, all right, what weird thing are they going to do to me? And that's really sad. That sucks that it's like that. The reason why it's like that is because a lot of the people in our tribe have done some like unhealthy, you know, mixed motives crap to people. Yeah. And I think, but we need to know going in and we just need to understand this is the landscape that we live in. And especially like for us, if you're like a pastor, you're, you're even working from a bigger deficit. Mm. And so I think there's just value in going in and saying, you know what? Yeah, I have my ultimate motives, but I'm just going to, I'm going to try to be upfront with people. I'm going to try to engage them in a meaningful way. And I think one of the things that we've learned in our training around the neighboring stuff is this, is that it's important to ask this question. If, if my neighbor never takes a step towards God, does Jesus' command to love him or her still apply? Do you think Jesus still wants me to invest time into relationship with that person? And of course, when you say it like that, all of us go, yes, of course. <laughs> but if you go in with that posture, the, the crazy thing is amazing things happen. Spiritual conversations bubble up all over the place. Right. If you go in like loaded up and putting pressure on yourself, se- seal you know, the deal. to like say, Sell I've got to, in the first week, I've got I've to have one spiritual conversation with them. Man, that's a great way to kill what could be, you know, <laughs> right. a pretty amazing friendship. Yeah, you, I mean, you've got to give out the seven spiritual laws right. by I, week two. Here's an illustration that, of that. There's <laughs> actually only four spiritual laws. <laughs> oh, but sorry. That's fine. Yeah. Here, <laughs> here's a crazy. I didn't grow up in that. Sorry. <laughs> I'll, mail, I'll mail them to you so that's, you can get saved. I'll, I'll send them in the mail. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to edit that out. You I sound like an what idiot. Are you Mormon. <laughs> Go, I'm Joseph a Hasidic Smith Jew. Has, we have 500 and Joseph Smith's got the seven spiritual laws. Exactly. <laughs> Just Just added the, the Book of Mormon on top of that. Go I make keep, some celestial children. I keep I keep adding on. I'm like the Pharisees. I just keep adding stuff on until you feel that you're uh, spiritual enough. Yep. Uh, Someday you'll get to my level of seven. <laughs> John, go ahead. I was just gonna say a crazy example of that is like, you know, a, a couple weeks ago. Uh, we had a bunch of neighbors over on our back patio having drinks together, and we're sitting there talking, and the whole conversation suddenly shifts from just you know whatever is going on to to a conversation about John. How do you prepare a sermon for that you're going to preach? There you go. And so I like literally for like 15 minutes talk about sermon prep. Sermon prep. Everyone wants right. to know about because that's a hot topic. But, it, but no, but in the context I got this <laughs> right. opportunity to like really kind exactly. of no, share some like incredible yeah. scriptural theological, you know, th- things, thoughts, yeah. thoughts and I had one of my neighbors afterwards before they left was like, you know, 
I just really that was a really cool conversation. Thanks for it's totally opening, foreign to them, right? Yeah, thanks for opening up and letting us you know see inside your world a little bit. And I, I was like, I was like, oh, I'm sorry, I thought it was a little bit boring, you know. And they're like, no, that was that was really cool. So I got these commentaries. I pull yeah. them off the shelf. <laughs> I read about it. He brought down his whole book. Word biblical commentary yeah. is awesome. Yeah, I love expositors. Hey, <laughs> let me show you some. Maybe little- after this, we could talk about how to like throw some better parties for you. Oh, yeah. oh, that's great. That is perfect. <laughs> Here, let me show you some William Barclay. <laughs> He's my favorite. I actually like He's him. My, I like Barclay. I like too. Now we sound like total Anyways. nerds. Anyway. Oh, man. So uh, you, you just totally you, did destroyed you a, a really cool I know. I'm sorry. Did no, you give him the perfect. seven spiritual laws? <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> all, 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 all seven. <laughs> Oh, All right. I'd, like to, I'd like to know what the additional I want to know what the additional That's three are Here's your episode post-Christian pastors uh, Three more spiritual laws I want to know what the additional three are Oh my goodness Well, Dave, uh, yeah. and let me ask you this Maybe this will make the podcast, maybe it won't But like in the current, like We got this whole political season going on And stuff like that um, how, how do you think you're a good neighbor In the midst of this, or is that even relevant or is those conversations you find yourself in a lot uh do you have your political great question really relevant because <laughs> i think when you look at what's kind of being reported in the media like people are saying listen the evangelical vote yeah. is what is carrying this like narcissist into you know <laughs> like an actual real close presidential race so right. my neighbors are going to are my neighbors want, I think this is the biggest compliment you can get when you kind of do what we do from your neighbors. They go, hey, are there other Christians like you out there? <laughs> <laughs> that, that's like a really good sign. Yeah. Number oh, yeah. two, most of the time, that's a good sign. Number two is that they're coming to me and they're going, hey, Dave, like, how are you thinking about this? Right, explain. Like, I, I'm looking at this person who's just filled with hate and like, who is like mm-hmm. a demeaning, like horrible human being. This is my neighbor talking, not just me. Right. And so, but in, and yet, <laughs> I'm hearing that the Christians are the one that's carrying this person and it's giving this person all this momentum. Like, help me understand this. Is that really And so true, it's though? opened Is up it? so many incredible conversations yeah. for me around, around this. And for us just to be able to talk and say, hey, listen, like, here's what I think. Here's kind of the posture of Jesus when he acted, you know, when he reacted and responded yeah. to different people trying to suck him into conversations around power and authority and government right. and and it, it's been a huge, it's a fertile time right now for us as believers to be thoughtful and to engage the people that are around us who are probably, if they're not asking us that question, they're probably wondering about it and they're just afraid to ask us. Yep. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's it's an interesting thing because I'm not sure that narrative is true. Like, I'm I'm still, still trying to find the Christians that are supporting supporting trump because i really haven't met any that it would go oh yeah, yeah i'm enthusiastic i love everything about him or whatever yeah but, i haven't met them and maybe i'm just well, election, sheltered or something election just gives you opportunity to talk about issues and um politicians bring up issues and have positions on issues as do people and mm-hmm. so it gives you an opportunity to, to talk about those issues if you take the opportunity to do so yep you can do so tactfully yep. well dave this has been great having you on i hope you've had as much fun as as yeah, we've had. I would love it. a lot of fun. Move on out to Pittsburgh. We'd like to have you as a neighbor. Yeah, come to the Steel <laughs> yeah. City. Yeah, I'm going to go from Denver to Pittsburgh. Oh, hey, oh, easy. Hey, hey we're, we like the best, we're like the best in the United States. Don't you know that? Everybody thinks so. Come we are on. constantly in the top That's one or two places to live in the country. Right. Yeah. In, yeah, in Pennsylvania. No. 
<laughs> no, you look it up, buddy. You look it up. Hey, I, I want to say this about Pittsburgh. I have been out there to hang out with Mike, and I was like shot. It actually is a cool city. It's not like Denver, but it is a much cooler city than I thought. And so I will say that. I was right, pleasantly yeah. surprised with the city overall and had a really good time out there. Okay, Dave, so we want to play a little game with you. Okay, you ready? Do it. Okay, so this little game is called Who Would You Rather Have as Your Neighbor? So okay. we are in the Steel City, home of Fred Rogers, home of Won't You Be My Neighbor. Yep. Uh, and so who Sharing would you... Sharing a fence with these people. That's right. So who would you sit down, change your shoes with them, put a sweater on, just like Fred Motor Rogers. Mow lawn when they're on vacation. <laughs> yes. Stop there. <laughs> All right. <laughs> would you, who would you rather have as your neighbor? Okay. So we're going to go around. I'll start with the first question. Then the guys are going to go around and ask you just first thing that comes to your mind and why. Why you would okay. choose this person. Okay. Who would you rather have as your neighbor? All the band members of Journey or Bon Jovi? Bon Jovi. Oh, why? go with Bon Jovi. Why? why? Just, I mean, just the hair. I mean, just to go over there every day. They could do my daughter's hair. I have three daughters. I'm, like, so tired of, like, combing their hair and putting braille. I'll just send them right over to Bon Jovi's house so they can get their hair done. Nice. So you wouldn't like you wouldn't like the whole, you know, don't stop don't believing stop. just in your backyard <laughs> parties? No, not at all. Oh, okay, all right. All number right. two. Here Who we go. Who would you rather have as your neighbor, Donald Trump or Hillary Clinton? And why? <laughs> wow. This <laughs> <laughs> This is, a, this is how it's going to feel going to the booth this year. Huh? Yeah. Um, <laughs> oh, man. I mean, the least... You struggle. The, the least toxic person... I'm, it's got to be Hillary. I mean, I don't... Like, can you imagine Donald Trump as your neighbor? Uh. This guy's just out there, like, running down your, you know, your wife. Just, like, like the, ama- the amount of, Saying like... wife's hot. Tra- the amount of trauma that would come into my neighborhood from so having Donald Trump though. as a neighbor so is not worth it. I'm taking Hillary Clinton. You're taking Hillary. All right. Uh, all right. Hillary <laughs> and Bill. You get Bill with Bill, him. Bill comes rolling in, too. He haven't thought about that. Bill, Bill, yeah, you better, Bill, you better be careful. party, and <laughs> this is Denver. That guy does like to smoke a little weed. There you go. There you go. <laughs> you better be careful though, man. Bill's rolling in. Be like, I like your <laughs> Yeah, Bill. Bill might. Bill bring would some be like. Trauma. Bill, <laughs> Bill might bring some trauma as well, but it'll be better than the trauma Dave, that, that Trump brings. Bill would. Bill would be like, I like what you said about getting to know the needs <laughs> of your neighbor. He'd be like, What's your wife's name? <laughs> <laughs> oh man! All right. All right, number three, Dave, LeBron James, or yes. Steph Curry? Who's one your neighbor? Answer. One answer to this. There's only one right answer. Once again, I'm. I like to have non-narcissists in my neighborhood, so I'll be for sure going with Steph Curry. Oh, uh, LeBron James. I mean, he is. He is amazing to watch and pro basketball player. But his brain is broken. There's like something wrong with him that he like sabotages everything that's around him. Uh. He just does all this weird stuff to the people on his own team. His social media stuff is like the best unintentional comedy I've ever seen. <laughs> so there you go. Mike is silent. All right. Like, I don't like crazy so, Christ. We had to we had to we had to add a biblical one in here. Who would you rather have as your neighbor, the Apostle Paul or Peter? Ooh, that's good. Mm. I like that one. 
Uh, I'm gonna go with Peter, man. I think Peter yeah. would be a be- I think Peter would be a lot more fun of a hang than Paul. <laughs> Paul's too right. serious. Paul. I think you're Dude, right. Paul, that guy, all those freaking rules. He's gonna be running around <laughs> telling telling women to cover their heads and not to talk in church. Peter's like, ah, oh, whatever. But Paul would remind you how much Jesus loves you. That's true. He would be like, don't forget, Jesus loves you. Paul would be like, I used to kill. <laughs> oh, do do exactly what I do. Give me a break, man. Come on. <laughs> Paul would be like, I used to kill people like you. <laughs> All right, number five, vanilla ice or Snoop Dogg? Uh, oh, man. <laughs> your kids are living in your house. <laughs> well, Snoop Dogg, it is Denver. It's Snoop Dogg. Uh, this is Colorado. you got to go Snoop Dogg. <laughs> You'd have a cloud of smoke around your house. You'd have that a guy's just... making it rain. He'd be bringing in some real income into our neighborhood. So Perfect. There you go. All right, number six. Chris Berman or Dick Vitale, baby? God, Berman. Vitale's so annoying. <laughs> Berman. Chris Berman uh, could do the NFL show from your front yard. Although, dude, have you seen his hair? Berman's hair oh, is man. unbelievable is right now. I have no. That? It's the. It is the most. It's the worst comb over oh. in all of television. Like he is. Like he's still holding on. It's give it so up. Bad. Give, give it, it up. Give it up. Shave it off. Give it up. All right, number seven: the Kardashians or Tom Cruise? Oh, Tom Cruise. <laughs> yeah, going for the Cruise yeah. man. You're getting some weirdness. <laughs> <laughs> You're getting a lot of Scientology weirdness it's there. Some weirdness. All right, the oh, last. The last. Two to pick from I Arnold Schwarzenegger one. or Sylvester Stallone, the old muscle men. Oh, the eighties action stars. The Schwarzenegger Stallone. with muscles. <laughs> Stallone. Oh, Stallone is my neighbor. Why are you going to Stallone? Just, I mean, Arnold. Again, I go back to this: like people that are like not self-aware and think the world revolves around them are like really bad neighbors. Yes. And so I like to just minimize those people as much as possible in the neighborhood. Stallone, Adrian. He's going with the Stallone Italian with stallion. His plastic face, just sitting up there, baking it. You know, getting his tan. <laughs> oh, you said baking it. <laughs> All right. Stallone would be awesome though. You could go a few yeah. rounds with him. You know, he could be spar a great with neighborhood you. though. No. All those people would be a fanatic. Yeah, so be in it. Runyon's neighborhood, which <laughs> would be awesome. Yeah. Welcome to Runyon's neighborhood. Bon Jovi. Would be Bon Jovi. Hillary. <laughs> this is a party. <laughs> bon Jovi. Hillary Clinton. Bill Clinton comes with it. Steph, Steph Curry. Curry. Bon, Peter. Bon Peter. Peter. <laughs> Apostle Peter. Apostle Paul would not fit in that group already. <laughs> Paul doesn't right. really fit in that group. <laughs> Snoop Dogg. Snoop Dogg. Chris Berman. Tom, Tom Cruise, Cruise and, and Sylvester Stallone. We are going to kill it. Wow. We are just going to be killing <laughs> it. That would be a fun Dave neighbor. Runyon, that's the perfect neighborhood right there. Hey, man, thanks wait. for being on. We had a lot of fun with you. It's great. And, uh, Good to hang out, thanks, guys. Thanks for the work you're doing for Jesus, for the faith, and the way that you're um, neighboring in your neighborhood and just keep um, changing that perception out there about Christians, and we hope there's more Christians like you. So, Hey, Dave, tell us about your book and your website. Where can we find you? Yes. Yeah. The, the book's called Art of Neighboring, but more importantly, you can also get refrigerator magnets there, because as I mentioned, yes. they're way better than the book. Cool. And you just go to artofneighboring.com. Book's good, too, though, but book the magnet is, good. is just that yep. good. That sounds like an impressive magnet. That's a magnet is twenty nine ninety nine. The book is $3. The book is $3. <laughs> That's like the worst PR move ever, right? <laughs> your publisher hey, loves sucks. you. Your like publisher. This, ma- this refrigerator magnet that's going to hold up your kid's artwork. It's amazing. <laughs> what about social media, Dave? You on there to 
people uh, can... not into it so much. No, nope, <laughs> not into that. All right, real cool. he's actually doing real neighboring. So he's, he's doing a real. I'm, I'm, I'm doing this thing where you actually talk to real human beings. <laughs> yes, and, I love and, it. So it's it's crazy. It's really weird. No, <laughs> I'm sure I'm sure that you can find something out there. Most of my I do have a Twitter account, and I only use it about once every three months to make some smart ass comment about. <laughs> Probably the Pittsburgh Steelers. So you guys right. might want to actually go check it out. No. <laughs> oh, well. All right, Dave. Thanks for, thanks for being with us. We had a great time. Thanks for joining us. Talk to you. All right. We will be back here in a few moments on Post-Christian Pastors to wrap things up. Don't go anywhere. Well, that was a good time. And uh, Mr. Runyon, I loved it. He likes people, neighbors. He loves his neighbors. Gotta love it. Good show. Good show. A lot of fun. Lot of Lots fun. of fun. And man, so practical. Yeah. And yeah. And it's so simple, simply profound, right? That's the word. Yeah. Simply profound. Just like Jesus. No, and I've read that book. I'd encourage you to pick it up. It is, uh, it's pretty simple, but a great book on just... How to get to depth with people. I mean, we've lost that, I think, in our culture. We've talked about this in past episodes of being a screen culture, and we're losing the ability just to connect with people, but there's still a need for that. And Dave really gives you some practical ways to do that. So Absolutely. Yeah. I think, you know, when you, you look at this stuff, and I'm, you know, I mean, even saying this, I feel a little weird, but I'm not a big, huge spiritual warfare guy. But But if the enemy can get us away from our neighbors... Yeah, However, us. that happens through screens, through busyness, um, through living our lives are just too dang complicated, uh, yep. or our religiosity or whatever. If the enemy can get us away from our neighbors, mm-hmm. he's taking us away from our number two commandment. Right. Right. Well, and, I just think isolation is just unhealthy. We've heard that from one of our guests in the right. past. As a pastor, you being isolated as a pastor is not healthy, but I think it's just true of any human being. So right. we need to be in connection with people. Well, we can isolate ourselves yeah. so easily. I mean, we even isolate ourselves by doing good things too. We can isolate ourselves by being overly con- involved with like our churches, right? We can mm-hmm. like, like I mentioned in, in the conversation, you know, we, our life was so, uh, so built around our, the ministry that we had in the church that we, we didn't, didn't really even know our neighbors. Yeah, right. Right. And I think a lot of us, you know, whether it's through church or whether it's through, you know, maybe kids sports or things like that, we've become very isolated. And even when we're in the, in those situations, we don't take the time to get to know the people right. that are And we're there, seeing right? people, but we're like ships right. in the night, right? right. We're exactly. Like, yeah. right. I like how Dave said he had to slow down. He's like, yeah. I didn't have to be the block party right. expert. I didn't have to throw parties. I just had to show up at every, other people's parties. Even though I think right. running could throw a good party. Man. Yeah. <laughs> I think he <laughs> yes. could. Yeah. Yes. Uh, yeah. Yeah. That's, that's it. It's just, it's being open to the opportunities that are there, right? Yep. I mean, we, we all have a lot of different opportunities to practice the art of neighboring. Right, um, yeah. and we just need to kind of be more open to those opportunities. You know, I think a lot of what Jesus did was was just try to get the disciples to see the people around mm-hmm. them. You know, mm-hmm. often right. it was open your eyes, right? Like, yeah. Open your eyes, stop, see. Um, even for little things, he taught like um, look at the birds, look at the tree. You know, look at the you know mm-hmm. look at these things. Stop, see things yeah. for what they are. Right. And I think there's no more powerful thing than seeing our neighbors. Yeah. For who they well, obviously seeing God for who He is, right. but then seeing our neighbors for who they are, and the 
that created in the image of God and, and the wonder that their lives are and that God cares about their lives. Well, and that God just wants you to be in relationship with them, period. Um, yeah, period. There's not an agenda to sell the gospel. There's not an agenda to get them to think like you think or believe. Although that should, our heart should long for more. Yeah, I love what he said. God. That's your ultimate. Right. Yeah, well, I you love want to see people that. come into relationship with God. That's our ultimate, ultimate because we believe that's what's best for them. Yeah, most definitely with with a pure heart, but still just get to know people, love right. people because right. they're people. It's, it was a great point. Yeah, love people because they're people. people. Yeah. And 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 that uh, that's just a great message. It's a great message for our tenth show. Yep. You know, this is the tenth show that we've done, and and in a post Christian. Uh, society it, it's it's interesting as i've i've said this in youth ministry before is that when things get more broken um the simpler ministry becomes like as things get more broken the simple things will go back to being the most important thing because i think you know we a lot of churches do ministry when they were living in a kind of christian society where they would do a whole lot of bells and whistles and they had to that takes a lot of work but now it seems like the simple things are really shining, yep. um, like just being a good neighbor in the midst of all the brokenness and the breakdown of things in our society that used to be there. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. So it was a good show, good 10th show. Great. And uh, really thankful for David for coming on. And hey, we're about to wrap this up. If uh, you'd like to find more episodes from us, you can look us up on uh, iTunes, you can look us up on Podcast Addict, almost everywhere that you Pod can. Podbean. Podbean, almost anywhere, either Android phones or iPhones that you have. Uh, I know you don't like my Android phone, but... Uh, I failed last night at the Pirates game. <laughs> we had a little trouble <laughs> ordering tickets last night. But uh, just, so, just so you can find us any of those places, go on our Facebook page at Post Christian Pastors. You can interact with us, find information out about the, about the show, anything like that. We'd love to have you. Uh, download all the episodes and listen as we just simply try over the next 100 hundred episodes or whatever to simply um, help you. We're do 100 of these things? Uh, maybe. Help <laughs> wow. you. Help you. We want to help me help you. <laughs> all right. That's what we want to. We're trying to do. Help me help you. Mark great. dreams big. Yeah. 100 episodes. Yeah, give us some ideas. We'd, oh. love to, we'd love to have some more ideas. We had a, quite a few things in the, the queue right now, but I'd love to get some yeah. more. Yeah. Show ideas. We'd love all that. So. Hey everybody, hope you're having a great summer and enjoying all that. And uh, for Marv, who has taken off and he is gone, uh, I'm Mark Helsel saying goodbye. Mike Arnold. John Price. All right. And we are out like Marv, and Mom, Dodgeball. and Dodgeball. He's already out. He had a good, he's he's out. lost. He had to go home. <laughs> Bye, Marv. Bye. Bye.